Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Taylor. Today's topic is emptiness syndrome. What happens when the parents stop being parents? Well, that's our topic for today. But in actuality, parents never stop being parents. But the emptiness syndrome is the phenomenon when parents no longer have small children or underage children living in their homes and they're no longer responsible for their children because they are officially adults. These children grow up and the parents did an amazing job teaching them to be self-sufficient, independent, and grown. They have mastered the life skills that were taught to them by their parents. They have become ambitious, independent, self-sufficient people who go off to make a life of their own. Sometimes they go away to college. Some go to the military. Some go and live with other family members or just be independent and live on their own. For whatever the reason, that child decides that they're no longer going to be under the care of their parents once they get to be 18 years old. Now the parent, if there's other minor children in the household, they're not really going to feel the impact of it because they are still in that parental role. Now when the last child When that last child becomes 18 years old and they decide to move out the house, they're no longer gonna be in the same physical space as the parents. This is when they enter that emptiness syndrome. The big emptiness syndrome. Now, most parents who are healthy, they have really made a lot of changes in their lifestyle because of their children. They've given up a lot of things, they've sacrificed, they've made some changes, and, uh, you know, everything was family-orientated. Their whole focus, primary focus, was on their family, raising their family, and now that has changed. Now, some people, you know, they kind of start preparing for the emptiness because the child gets to be 15 and they're basically becoming more self-sufficient, independent, and they're not really relying on the parents for their basic needs in terms of care. You know, they need the parents to give them a home and to make sure they have food available and medical care, but the parents don't literally have to do anything physical for them if they're healthy. So little by little, the detachment process starts. You know, the parents starts to detach and the child starts to detach. That's what happens because the child starts having their own interests that is definitely separate from the family. They still have their own friends, you know, their own activities, their own hobbies, and have their own social network that's separate from their family, from their parents. So all that is a natural process of detachment, physical detachment. You're getting ready for the big separation, so to speak. Okay. Now, every parent has different circumstance. 
You know, some parents have emotional situations. Some parents have mental or they have spiritual or they have cultural situations that kind of prevent them from letting their children grow up and letting them go. And we can talk about some of those factors. Some of those factors pretty much keep that child dependent on them to kind of prolong that process. But sometimes it's not intentional. You know, they just want to make sure that before their children actually leaves the home, leave the nest, that they are absolutely prepared. If that child is not emotionally mature, then that parent may have a problem letting go. If that child is not mentally mature, the parent may have a problem letting go. If that child is not socially prepared, they don't know how to interact with people on a social level, they don't know how to stay safe and protect themselves, they don't know how to identify people who are good or bad, you know, to kind to gauge who to get involved with and who not to get involved with. So a lot of parents don't want to let their children go, not yet, because they're not comfortable, you know, with their children being away from them because they know that they haven't quite mastered some skills yet. Other parents may not want to let their children go, not because of their children not being prepared, but because they're not prepared. We have parents who are emotionally connected to their kids in ways in which it's unhealthy. They see that child as a friend, or they see the child as a partner, sort of like an emotional incest in a way. You know, they don't see that child as their child. They see that child as someone that they actually need emotionally or mentally as a form of a companionship. And because of that, sometimes they don't want to let the child go. They want that child to be there with them to keep them as, you know, a companion. They want them to keep them around. And of course, we all know that's selfish. That is definitely not a reason to want to keep your child around just because you want them to be your companion. Children are not made to be your companion. Children are made to be temporarily in your life in terms of you being their guardian, you being their teacher, you being their provider. But your goal as a parent is to prepare them to have a life of their own not for them to be your life. (laughs) And some parents get it twisted because of their emotional and mental issues. Now, obviously, some of these parents may have their own mental health problems. They may have their own emotional problems, and that's the reason why they're so codependent on their children. Some of these parents may be narcissistic, and they actually perceive their children as an extension of themselves or things or objects to be used for their own personal gain. So because of that, you have some of those parents who are not quite ready, and they may never be ready, you know, to let their children go. So that pretty much kind of prolongs that empty nest syndrome. I mean, it kind of makes it not happen yet because their parents are not allowing it to naturally happen. They're pretty much kind of avoiding it by trying to keep the child at home. Okay. Now, 
the parents are basically doing a disservice to the child because that child is supposed to achieve a certain degree of independence. That child is supposed to create a life for themselves at some point. So if they're deliberately, intentionally making that child dependent on them or they're pretty much keeping that child hostage with guilt trips and preventing that child from leaving because that child feels a sense of obligation or duty to that parent, then it becomes a problem. Now, we have a cultural thing going on. In certain cultures, you have parents who are taught that a child should stay at home until that child is ready for marriage. So it doesn't matter how old that child is. The fact is, if that child is not married, they're not supposed to leave the home. So if that child doesn't find a suitable mate to marry, then that child will be home until they get married. They could be 30 years old, 35, 40, and if they're not married, they will be at home with their parents. So that's a whole nother scenario. It's a cultural thing. It's not because the parent is sabotaging the child or preventing the child from having an independent life or trying to make the child take responsibility for them. That's a whole nother story. We're talking about a cultural norm that states that a child should be at home in a family setting until they get married. Now, each culture have their own reasons for that. You know, sometimes it is based on religious customs. Sometimes it's personal. And sometimes it's, it's really done for social control because they don't really want a bunch of single people just living on their own because, of course, some people think that's going to encourage uh, promiscuity. You know, a lot of people are going to be around having sex with everybody. You have a lot of cultures who are very religious, and they use their religious beliefs to create their moral codes. And they don't want a lot of young people out having sex. So they think it's easier just to go ahead on and create a cultural norm that keeps the child at home until they're married. So once they leave, they are legally married and they have a mate so they won't be running around. All right. And also, you know, that also helps with having children out of wedlock because in those cultures and the societies that practice this, you don't really have a serious problem with children being born out of wedlock. Children are born under marriage. All right, so we're going to go ahead on and continue. Some uh, parents, they're not quite ready to let their children go because for the past 18 years, 20 years, 25 years, that child or the children have been the center of their lives. And that has become their identity, their primary identity, you know, is to be a parent. Okay, the identity that is most important to them is that of a parent. They've built their whole life around being a parent. You know, their whole goal is to cater to their children, to make sure that their children are provided for, nurtured, have everything they need. So they go to work for their children to make sure that they have their whole life purpose is to provide for their children. So when a parent's identity is so connected to their child or their children, it's kind of difficult to let that go. It's very, very difficult to let that go when your whole identity is connected. So 
that parent, if that child or when that child leaves, they're going to find another identity. They have to find another identity because that identity that they had as a parent is no longer valid. Now, a parent will always be a parent. It doesn't matter if their children live with them physically or not, but we're talking about the parental role, right? If a child is an adult, they are grown, they're self-sufficient, they're independent, they're providing for themselves, the parental role has changed, okay? That parent is no longer the primary caretaker for that child. So the parent now is free to assume other identities and other roles. And unfortunately, some people, some parents, their identity is so intertwined with their children, they're so connected to the family that has been their primary focus for the past 18, 20, 25 years, they don't know how to separate themselves from their children. Just want to let you all marinate on that for a second. Yeah. It's very difficult. If you've been doing something for 18 years, every day you're getting up, you're taking your children to daycare, or you're taking them to preschool, you're taking them to elementary, you're taking them to middle school, then you take them to high school. And you've been doing this for 18 years, 16 years, 15 years. And if you have other children, you're repeating the same cycle. You could be doing this for 25 years, and all of a sudden, there's no one to take to school. There's no one to take to the doctor. There's no one to go pick up, you know, from the sport game. There's no one to pick up from the mall. There's no one that you have to schedule appointment for. So that primary role and identity that you had is gone. And some parents really don't know how to make that switch. They don't know how to. They haven't quite prepared for that switch. It's like this child or your children, I mean, they took up all your time and your energy. That that gave you a sense of purpose. That gave you, you know, that energy that you needed, that inspiration, that spark to get up and do whatever it is that you had to do. That brought you so much joy and happiness. It put a smile on your face to see your children grow up and to see how happy they are and you're proud of their progress and you know their zest for life and their creativity, their energy. It's just beautiful. And then one day, all that is going to change. And some parents are not quite ready for that, to let that go. They're not quite ready. And that's the reason why they fear the emptiness syndrome. They don't want to be in a home where there's no children. Some parents cannot accept that. Okay. All right. We're going to go ahead and continue. Just other reasons why some parents have a hard time. Uh, Let's talk about the marriage. You know, some parents, you know, they're together as a couple. They're married, but they're really not together. They're together because of the children. They stayed connected. They stayed together because they wanted to provide their children a home, a family. And now that their children are grown, you know, the last child is leaving the house, they know that their time together will come to an end. 
So they're not just losing a child in their mind, in the sense that the child is physically going to go away. They also know that now they may lose a spouse because the only reason why that spouse, that mate, that partner stayed with them was because of the child or the children. So they're not really looking forward, you know, to that child growing up because they know that definitely it is the ending of a lifestyle. It's the ending of a lifestyle. So they may also lose a partner, not just losing a child, but also lose a partner that they're going to have to face living with someone that they're no longer compatible with. They're no longer in love with, you know, they may not even respect and they may not be compatible with, you know, some people were functioning in a household as co-parents. They respect each other as co-parents. They got along perfectly as co-parents. Sometimes they did have sexual relationship, but it was convenience because they're together and they're not willing to step outside of that relationship. So they're going to still have sex with each other and be intimate, but it's not because they really love each other, but it's out of necessity. Then you have other parents who really don't have sex together. They live together to co-parent. And once the children are adults, they become grown, you know, self-sufficient. They're able to get out and take care of themselves. You know, they're going to go and be with whoever they were having that long-term affair with. So they're not going to stay in the home. They're going to immediately leave. So that is definitely a big transition. And a lot of people are not looking forward to that transition because it is definitely a change. Now, on the opposite end, some people are really looking forward to that. Okay, they're looking forward to having a different life. They're looking forward to not having any responsibilities, not being obligated to take care of anybody else, not being, you know, forced to stay in a marriage that is loveless and you know obviously they weren't happy together so you know we have different types of response all right but a lot of people do know that once those children grow up you know their lives are going to change they definitely know that and that's why sometimes they're not really looking forward to that child being 18 because they know that they're going to have to face that time when they're going to be physically without their children. Now, just because a child is not physically in the house, obviously it doesn't mean that a parent stopped being a parent. Obviously, that makes no sense. A parent will be a parent until the day they die. A parent will be involved in their children's life as long as they both agree to have a relationship. Now, once a child becomes an adult, it's up to them, the parent and the child, to agree to continue to have a relationship because there is nothing forcing that child to maintain a relationship with with their parents. Because once they become an adult in Western culture is 18 years old, there's no law that states that that child has to physically stay in contact with their parents. They don't have to maintain a relationship with their parents. They don't have to befriend their parents because they don't owe their parents anything. Now, in good conscience, you know, a child that was raised right, given love, a child that was given everything, 
you know, material things, emotional, mental, they're going to want to continue to have a relationship with their parents because their parents are actually part of their support system. They are very grateful to their parents. They're very appreciative of the love, the nurturing, the sacrifice, and all the things that were given to them by their parents. So obviously, they want to continue. They're going to want to continue that relationship. They're not going to just stop being involved with their parents. Okay? So we're talking about healthy children. We're talking about healthy parents. Now, of course... You know, we do have children who are not healthy because their parents weren't healthy. And that's the reason why they, once they become of age, they no longer want to have anything to do with their parents. They want nothing to do with their parents because their parents were abusive. Their parents were dysfunctional. Their parents were controlling, manipulating, deceptive. You know, and sometimes they can't even wait to get away from their parents. So some children don't even wait to 18. If they can get away at 16, some of them run away. Or some of them choose to go live with another parent or other family members or other people. You know, so of course, once they get to be 18 or once they're physically away from their parents, they're not going to want to have anything to do with that parent. Yes, so the relationship will cease once that child physically remove themselves from the parent or that child is physically removed by child protective services or the child goal is with someone else. Now, of course, you always have that case. Now, these parents whose identity has been so caught up with their children, I mean, they have to find something to do with themselves. They have to start reacclimating themselves to live without their children. Now, that is a whole new process to live without their children around. You know, they're no longer obligated. They don't have the full load of responsibility. They have all this time. They have energy. They have money. They have resources. They're older, wiser. They have a lot of life experience. Now they have to start a new life. Now, for the parents who are married and they're together and they're happy, that could definitely be a wonderful period of time because now they have more time to invest in each other, more time to invest in their relationship, more time for them to pretty much do all the things that they weren't able to do when they had the children. So when you have a healthy, happy couple and the children are out of the home, definitely There are good things. There are good possibilities that can happen. You know, it's very positive. Now, as I said earlier, you have parents who weren't happy, who weren't healthy, and they didn't have a good relationship. When the child leaves the home, when the last child leaves the home, that could be also the ending of their relationship. Some parents separate at the time when when the children leave, or they get a divorce officially. After 25 years of marriage, after 30 years of marriage, they get divorced. And sometimes people just can't quite understand that. And they say, y'all been together for so long. So why now you want divorce? Why you want divorce now? 
You've been together, you have four children, you raise all your children, and now you all can actually be together and enjoy each other's company and travel and retire together and, you know, do some stuff that you didn't have a chance to do. But now you all want to be separated? Now, these are the couples who stay together primarily to raise their children, all right? So that was their sacrifice. They gave up you know, their personal freedom, you know, they gave up having a healthy relationship so they can make sure that their children were healthy and happy. Now, these couples, now they, the fact that they're separating now, they're going to have to start new relationships. Sometimes they choose not to. They choose to stay single, you know, after separating or being divorced. They choose to be monogamous. You know, they choose to focus on other things besides a relationship because they may not be quite ready to enter into a relationship because they've been out of the dating scene for 20 years, for 25 years, for 30 years, for 40 years. So they really don't even know where to start. They don't even know where to start. You know, some of them have no type of dating skills, no social skills, no communication skills. They're no longer romantic, you know, they're no longer interested in getting to know someone new. So they choose just to be by themselves and pursue other activities. Some of these people may start traveling, you know, they may start spending a lot of time with their grandchildren if they have any, or they may start volunteering for different projects or different programs because they really want to stay active to do something. Sometimes they go back to school and get an education you know, that maybe they started and never had a chance to finish. They may get their college education or even get their high school diploma. Some people, they never had a chance to finish high school because they got pregnant and they had to quit for them to find a job and start raising their children. So now that the children are grown and the children are out, now they can go ahead on and do something for themselves and don't have to focus on anybody else. So all the things that they didn't have a chance to do, now they're going to do it. Okay, And some people pick up new hobbies. There are things that they always wanted to do. Maybe they wanted to mountain climb or jet ski or they wanted to start a weight fitness program. You know, maybe they want to do some yoga, some meditation. You know, they're going to go ahead on and take that opportunity just to do that now. They're going to explore different options because they didn't have a choice to do it when they had the children. Okay. Now you have other people who are anxious to start new relationships. You know, they're ready to mix and mingle. So once the children leave and they have time for them to get themselves together, sometimes they go to a total transformation. Sometimes they change the way they look. They change their hairstyle or they change the hair color or, you know, they get a new wardrobe. You know, they start to change the makeup if they're a female. I mean, they just start doing things differently. They start eating differently. They start going out, meeting people. And, you know, they can have a very active social life. You know, they're excited. You know, they join a single club. They're going on online dating uh, uh, websites. You know, and they really want to live and enjoy their life. You know, they're ready to go. And they're going to take off and they're going to enjoy life and have a good time. Okay, now we do have people, men and women, but more women than men. You know, we deal more with mothers because mothers tend to take more of a primary role in their children's life. Not saying that fathers don't because they do, 
but it's a different type of connection. A woman is connected to her children in a way that a man is not connected to the children. It doesn't make it better or worse, okay? Not to minimize a father's relationship with their child. It's just that a woman has a different relationship with her children. A father has a different relationship, and it's okay. It's not supposed to be the same. Some women are hit harder when the children leave the home, when we have that empty nest syndrome, some women are hit harder. Emotionally and psychologically, they're more hurt, you know, because they've given so much up. Uh, so much of their identity was connected to being a mother. And some of these women, once they became a mother, they definitely gave a lot of things up. Some of them gave up their physical health. Because of the pregnancies, you know, some of them have a lot of physical problems. Maybe they became overweight. You know, maybe they had other problems, reproductive problems. You know, maybe they are, didn't provide a lot of self-care for themselves because they were so overwhelmed with the children. Because they had so many children and they didn't have the help that they needed. They weren't able to practice self-care, good self-care. They weren't able to go to the gym and go to the spa and get medicues, pedicues. They weren't able to maintain their external beauty. So some mothers, some women, once they become a mother, sometimes they completely let themselves go. They get so submerged into raising children that they neglect their own self-care. They're no longer as beautiful physically because they're not taking the time to take care of their physical appearance. They're not doing the makeup. They're not doing the workout. They're not doing the eating healthy. They're not, you know, engaging in activities that's going to, you know, make them more energetic and more attractive, you know, so they're completely submerged in that mother role. And some women do this not because they want to, but because they really don't have the support they don't have access to the resources to be able to do all this stuff. Now, you have rich women, you know, they're not really providing direct care for their children. They hire nannies, they hire babysitters, they have cooks, and they have people come in, maids and domesticated workers that clean up the house. And so, yeah, they could afford to look good. They go to the spa, they get their hair done, they get the best beauty products, they get their sleep they're eating properly, they have a personal trainer, you know, so these women, they're not going to be run down or burnt out because they're a mom, because they have all this money to provide the services by using other people. But when you have a mom who have no support, she has to be the one responsible to take care of four children. She has a limited amount of income. She has no you know, extended support group that can help her take care of some of this responsibility. So she could be overwhelmed, overwork, stress out. And sometimes that will affect her health and it will affect her external appearance. And so some of these women, now that they're no longer taking the active role as a mother, they don't even know how to take care of themselves. They don't even know what to do anymore. Now they have to pick up the pieces and start from scratch, you know, and sometimes the husband could have left them because of that, because they no longer were physically attractive, because they no longer paid attention to their bodies. They weren't really into, you know, physical fitness. They're going, going to the gym and maintaining a well fit body because they weren't able to. 
right? or their husband left because of other, other situations or other conditions, not because of their physical appearance, but nevertheless, they're left alone to raise children. Now, some of these women, when their children leave, you know, they have their own life. Now, they don't have anybody. They don't have no children. They have no man. And they have no support. So now they're left alone with nobody. There's nobody there to love, nurture, support. And all these years they gave, they sacrificed They gave everything. They were not just mothers for their own children. Some of these women were mothers for other children. Their niece, their nephews, the neighbor's children, the children in the church who didn't have anybody. And they were just motherly, nurturing and caring. Some of these women sacrificed their lives, sacrificed their careers, sacrificed their beauty, sacrificed their bodies. They sacrificed everything so they can take on that primary role of being a parent, being a mother, being nurturing. And now they're out here and they don't even know what to do. They don't know where to go. They're completely lost. So we do have some of these women, particularly mothers, you know, they after their children leave, that empty nest syndrome, they're hit the hardest. They really go into a deep depression. They go into a deep state of depression because they really don't know where to go and they don't know what to do. Okay, they lost their identity because they were a mother and that's all that matters to them, being a mother. That's what gave them joy. That's what gave them worth. That's what made them feel special. That's what gave them a sense of purpose. And now... They don't have that role anymore. They don't have that identity anymore. They don't know who and what they are now because they lost themselves along the way. They really didn't nurture the mother, the motherly part of themselves. Okay, they didn't nurture it. Okay. What they did is that they embraced a role. They embraced a role as a mother. But to nurture that motherly side of themselves is to take care of themselves. They didn't nurture that motherly part. They embraced the role, but they didn't nurture it. You know, so all the bumps and the bruises emotionally that they went through as a mother, those wounds, those scars are there. All those years of sleep deprivation and neglect and abuse that they went through, whether sometimes the children abuse the mothers. Sometimes the children take advantage of their mothers. They take them for granted. Okay? They don't really value them. Now, it all depends on the culture because some cultures, you know, we have sexism and misogyny. Very, very prevalent. So the mothers who sacrifice and give so much for their children, sometimes they're not even appreciated. They're taken for granted. Some of these children look down on their mothers, look at them like they're inferior. They're less than and they're not good enough. Some of them are ashamed when they look at their mothers. They see a woman who's obese. They see a woman who's illiterate. They see a woman who's not as beautiful anymore. She's not attractive. They see a woman who's not as sociable. She's not presentable. Some of them are ashamed. 
but they don't know the hard work. They don't know the sacrifice that woman did just to give them life and to help them become that person that they are. Okay, so due to sexism and misogyny, a lot of women do suffer and they don't get proper credit. They don't get the proper recognition. When that child becomes successful, you know, the mother doesn't get the credit because she's the one that enabled that child to be who and what they are because of her hard work and dedication. Okay? And some children, they grow up to be a narcissist. They grow up to be very selfish and self-centered, and they really don't remember where they come from and who and what helped them get to where they are. So that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, some mothers do really suffer. So when it comes to the children leaving, they actually do have to go into a state where they have to basically re-evaluate their lives. They have to reassess who and what they are. They have to find a new identity and they have to find a new sense of purpose. And they have to learn to value themselves, not just because they're a mother, but because they are a person, they are a human being, they are a woman, and they contribute so much to the world, not just to their children, but to the world, to humanity, just being who they are. So they have to do a complete reassessment for them to kind of figure out who and what they are and what's the next step. Where do they go? Some people can make that transition easy, and some people it's very difficult. Some women go through a deep state of depression once their last child leaves the home. They go to a deep state of depression. You know, that's that transition. They're leaving one state and they're entering another. Some people can make that transition smoothly with minor bruises and bumps emotionally. You know, mild depression. You know, sometimes they go into a little cocoon, they isolate themselves and they want to be alone so they can process everything so they can get everything in order. Okay, and then they come out of that self-imposed isolation and they start to mingle and they start to connect and they start to rebuild their lives all over again. Okay, it all depends on their social support system extended family, their children. Sometimes their children are very instrumental in helping them make that transition. You know, the children stay in touch with the mom and, you know, guide her along the way and provides resources, support, and help for her. If she needs a support system, they're able to connect her. You know, they visit the mother, they call her, they interact with her, they send her presents. You know, they're always maintaining some type of rapport to help her through that process. And then you have other children, like I said earlier, who completely abandon their mom. Once they get what they want, you know, they have their own relationship, they have their own life, they have their own money, they have their own job. They pretty much disown their mothers. They pretty much disappear. And so the mother, she's left out in the cold, alone, abandoned. And the children act as if she don't even exist. And of course, if she has a supportive husband, that would be very helpful. But she may not have a supportive husband. If she doesn't, then that's more difficult. Or she has no husband at all. And she has to go through this all by herself. It could be very difficult and it could be very challenging. 
And unfortunately, some women don't make it through. They get into a deeper depression. They stay there until they deteriorate. And some of them do get into drugs and alcohol, you know, whether it be prescription drugs and alcohol, because they're not going to use illegal drugs sometimes. You know, they're going to go to the doctors and tell the doctors that they're depressed, you know, they're sad, they're maybe suicidal, and then they're going to get them on medication. You know, and some of them will start drinking, okay? Some of them will have nervous breakdown. It all depends on their situations, you know? Now, the fathers. Let's talk about the fathers. You know, imagine a man that's been taking care of his family for 20 years, 30 years, and that has been his primary role. That's been his primary identity is being a provider. Sometimes these men work two or three jobs to provide for their families. And sometimes they work one job, but they work 60-hour weeks to make sure that their wives and their children have everything. And all of a sudden now, the last child leaves home, and this man is no longer a provider. He doesn't have to provide for anybody. He doesn't have that identity anymore as a provider. You know, and all the children are grown, and they're out the home, and they're doing their own thing. He doesn't have that role anymore. So he has to go through the same thing, similar things, that the mother is going through. Now he has to reassess his identity and kind to reposition himself, you know, in life. And he has to change his lifestyle. And some fathers are able to do that. They're able to just pick up a new identity. If they're a husband, now they can switch from being primarily a father to focus on being a husband. Right? And they have other roles in their life, and they can switch to the other roles and pay more attention to those roles or give more time and make that more of their primary identity. It all depends on the man. Okay? And if they were in a rocky relationship, now they're not just losing a child, they're also losing a wife. They're losing a life partner. And men don't adjust to change as well as women do. Because a lot of women have support systems. They go to their mother, their sisters, their aunts, their cousins, their best friend, and they cry and they talk and they find ways to deal with their emotions. But in Western society, men are not really given that option. A lot of men are discouraged from talking, from sharing their emotion because that's seen as a weakness. You know, they're making themselves vulnerable, especially if they're talking to other men. So they won't be as vocal about what they're feeling and what they're going through. So they take it all in and not share it. So that's the time some of these men may go through midlife crisis in which all of a sudden now, you know, they just get the need to change their identity because they're no longer that primary, you know, uh, caretaker in terms of provider, providing financially for their family. They're no longer responsible for a family. Now, some of them want to go back and be a kid. That's when they want to divorce the wife and go get a young girl and start living life because they're realizing that they're getting older. They're realizing that their lives are passing them by, that they've given so much of their youth and so much of their energy to a family, and now they don't have that anymore. So sometimes these men will get a midlife crisis and they will go out and want to have sex with younger women and want to, you know, be around younger women and start going to strip clubs and buy them a fast car and, you know, try to rekindle their youth, you know, try to relive 
the past. You know, they're trying to convince themselves that they're not getting older, that they're not becoming a senior citizen, they're not becoming an elderly man, that they're still as vital, they're still as important, they're still as attractive as they were before. Okay, so we call that the midlife crisis. And sometimes that happens when the children leave home. And sometimes these men divorce their wives, the wives that's been with them for 30 years, that's been with them for 25 years. All of a sudden they get up, they don't want to be married anymore. Since the children are no longer around, some of them were there for the children because they wanted to maintain that family. They wanted to fulfill their obligation and responsibilities to their children. So they didn't want to just get up and leave. Some of them really didn't want to be in a marriage. Okay? But because of their children, they sacrificed and they did it. So now that the child is gone, the child is grown and they fulfill their obligation, the child is healthy and self-sufficient, they're ready to get out of here. They're ready to go. They're ready to party and have a good time. You know, they go through that midlife crisis, which is perfectly fine. It's a transition from one stage into another. They're transitioning from one stage into another. Sometimes it's short-lived. You know, they wake up one day and they settle down and they find a middle ground. They're not going to the extreme anymore and they adjust to their new lives. And sometimes they crash Sometimes these men, when they come to the realization that they no longer have that title, parent, father, they no longer have that role or responsibility, some of them actually crash. They panic and they go into a deep depression. Sometimes they get suicidal. Sometimes they start drinking excessively. Sometimes they get into drugs. Because of their hard work and they didn't have the opportunity to provide self-care or they neglected themselves because they made other things priorities, sometimes they suffer from poor health. And now they may be dealing with chronic health issues. And so some of them can become sick. Right? And if they do have a wife, they do have a partner, it makes it easier for them to recover and for them to regain their health and get back on track. But if they're single, they're by themselves, most likely it's going to be very difficult because a lot of men who don't have a wife, who don't have support, they don't recover as fast. When they did the research, they found out that men who are married live longer. Men who have support in their lives They have healthier healthier lives. But the men who don't have any support, who are not married, they die at an earlier age than men who are married and have people in their lives. All right? So there's many reasons for that. You know, it's, it's due to society because a man who is living alone, if he doesn't have the proper support, most likely he's not gonna take the initiative to do certain things. You know, he's not going to engage in a lot of preventive care. He has a woman. That woman is going to stay on top. Hey, did you get your medical care? Did you take your medicine? Did you eat? Or let's go here. Let's do this. So the woman is going to be more attentive to his needs and remind him of what it is that he needs to do and help him stay focused. It's not because men are not as self-sufficient or you know, independent. It's just that sometimes, you know, it's not really a priority for them. They're not really thinking about that. And the woman is a little bit more nurturing in that way. So 
just to wrap everything up, empty nest syndrome definitely is a time of transition. Definitely is a time of transition when you no longer have to provide the primary care for your children. You no longer have to sacrifice. You no longer have to give up your life. You don't have to fulfill any duties and obligation. You don't have to. It's over. That role in your life is over. Now, you're always going to be a parent. I mean, no one can ever take that from you. Whether you have children who are alive or children that passed on, once a parent, forever a parent. You're forever going to care about your children. You're forever going to love them. You're forever going to be there for them. But it is a time for you to now enjoy your life. Okay, your job is done. Your hard work paid off. You did the best that you can do. And now it's time for you to focus on having an experience for yourself. That second part of your life, okay, whether you're 50s, you're in your 50s, you're in your 60s, it's time for you to live. It's time for you to enjoy life. It's time for you to focus on yourself. Now, of course, you could always give time to your grandchildren. And if your older children, adult children still need some level of assistance, it's okay to help them. It's okay to provide emotional support and even a certain amount of financial support if they need it. And they're working towards getting themselves together. But you no longer have to sacrifice. You no longer have to be selfless. You no longer have to give up everything. You no longer have to do without. You no longer have to, you know, feel obligated because your job is done. So the empty nest syndrome is a natural process. It is something that's inevitable. It is something that's going to happen. It is a natural stage that parents go through. It's not something that needs to be feared. It's not something that needs to be rejected or something that needs to be prolonged, avoid. It is something that is natural. Okay, it depends on the society that you live in, it depends on the culture, it depends on your own spiritual belief. You can fear it or you can welcome it. All right, welcome it. It's just another stage in your life. You're changing identity from this identity to another identity. From being a parent, now you can actually focus more on your other identities, your other roles. Okay, it's a time to pursue new hobbies new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things. It's a time to give something back. You know, maybe you didn't have time to give anybody else because you're focused on your children. Now you could actually volunteer, you know, to give your talents, your skills, your abilities, you know, to other people. If you choose to, you don't have to. Now, if you have an unexplored talent or gift, maybe you can sing, you can dance, you can write, Maybe you've always wanted to write a book. Now is the opportunity to do it. Maybe you always wanted to take a dance class. Maybe you always wanted to travel. Okay, maybe you always wanted to sing. Now is the time to do it. Because you are no longer bounded, you know, to obligation. It's okay. When you were a parent, you had to do it. You enjoyed it. And you went through it. It was a beautiful experience. Now you're at a different stage of your life. So the emptiness syndrome doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be something that you welcome, something that you look forward to. You know, you don't have to hurry it. You don't have to tell your children, I can't wait till you get out. 
can't wait till I'm free. You don't have to remind them because it's going to come. It's going to come whether you say it or not. What you can do is start preparing for it. Let's take a few minutes and talk about preparation. Okay, you can financially start preparing because as your kids get older, you know, you don't have to spend as much money. So you could actually start a special savings account just for yourself. So you have the money put on the side for you to do whatever it is that you want to do once the children leave the nest. If you want to travel, you have your traveling fund. If you want to, you know, buy yourself a whole new brand new wardrobe. You have the money available. You want to have a new hairstyle? You have the money available. Okay? Whatever it is that you want to experience. You want to go back to school? You have the money available. You want to learn a new uh, skill? You have the money available. Whatever it is that you want to do. You know, start researching. You know, figuring out what it is that you want to do. What are your options? What can you do? Start talking to people who are actually doing some of the things that you want to do and get information and start preparing. So when that time comes, two years from now, when your child goes to college or when your child goes to the military or when your child moves out the house because they're going to live with another person or their family or friends or they're moving in with their girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever the scenario may be, it's okay. Once they move out, it's going to be okay. It's going to be your time, and you're going to be able to focus in on yourself. You're not going to worry about your children because you've done your job. You prepared them for life. You gave them the life skills that they needed. You gave them the confidence. You gave them the self-esteem that they needed to believe in themselves, to love themselves, to take care of themselves. So they're going to be all right. You don't have to stress yourself out. And another thing is that once you enter that stage, you have to learn how to tell your adult children no. You have to know when to cater to them and when to say no. You don't have to. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel obligated. Don't feel responsible. Because if they make certain life decisions, they have to live with the consequences. No, you don't have to babysit the grandkids if you don't want to. No, you don't have to give them money if you don't want to. No, you don't have to let them move in the house if you don't want to. No, you don't have to let them borrow something if you don't want to. You don't have to. And don't let them make you feel guilty and ashamed. Because they have to live with the life consequences. Again, if you choose to help them, it's okay. It's going to be on your terms When you get ready and whenever you don't want to continue providing your assistance or support, you can withdraw that at any time. You still love them unconditionally, but you don't have to provide unconditional support. You don't have to do that. You're no longer obligated to do that. Unfortunately, you do have some children who take advantage of their parents' kindness. They know that the parents feel sorry for them, the parents love them and care for them, and the parents don't want to say no. So because of that, they tend to take advantage, and they impose things on the parents. They have babies out of wedlock and bring these children for their parents to take care of. That is not fair. The parents don't have to do that. Right, And sometimes they'll wreck their credit. You know, they'll be irresponsible financially and expect the parents to rescue them. No, the parents don't have to do that. 
And sometimes they do develop bad habits, drugs and alcohol, and they get stuck and they want the parents to keep bailing them out. The parents don't have to do that. So this is when you have to practice tough love and you have to know when to say no. And you have to allow them to live their lives because you've already done everything that you possibly can do and you've done it. Now is their time to live their lives. If they make bad choices, they're going to have to deal with the consequences. They're going to have to learn because if you constantly intervene and you're saving them, they're not learning life lessons and they're going to continue that same pattern over and over. And then you're going to have to be the one to deal with the consequences. You don't have to suffer anymore. You don't have to take on roles and responsibilities that are no longer yours. So the empty nest syndrome is definitely an experience that we go through when we get to a certain stage and our parents can become themselves. Parents can fulfill their fullest potentials because they no longer have to sacrifice. They no longer have to be selfless. They can start practicing more self-love. You know, not that they weren't practicing self-love, but they were giving their children a big chunk of that. Now they can pretty much receive a lot of that love they were giving out. They can continue to love their children. Nobody's going to stop you from loving your babies. They'll be your babies till the day you die. But there are boundaries now. You know, now it's about you. It's about self-love. It's about self-care. It's about self-respect. It's about self-expression. It's about self-empowerment. That empty nest syndrome is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. The nest is empty. Now mama and daddy can go and play. They can go and recreate. They can go and have that life that they didn't have. Allow your children to fly away from the nest. And then you can fly right behind them and go make your own reality. Thank you so much for listening.